0: Dr. Jason Lancaster.
1: I'm glad that you're here today and I believe that God wants to do something significant through his word by his holy spirit in your life. Even if you didn't wake up this morning thinking that something significant would happen, I still believe he has something in store for you today even in, that is unexpected, so get expected. I once read a book by Drew Dyke, who's the author of Yawning at Tigers, and he tells a story of he and his wife on a resort next to an ocean in Hawaii that had a man-made lagoon, and I wanted to see that, so I looked it up online. So do we have that picture? So I found this. Notice this is a man-made lagoon here and the ocean is beyond that. See, the the lagoon, as you can notice, it screened out all the scary marine life like sharks, but it was filled with slow-moving sea turtles and beautiful fish, and they were excited to swim in there with the turtles and the fish. And after an hour of swimming around and looking at the sea creatures, they got bored and they just hung out beside the lagoon. He said, the problem wasn't what they saw, but what they didn't see. There were no waves, no spray from the surf, no tides, no coral reefs, no danger, no depths, because it wasn't the ocean. He looked at the ocean, which was about 100 feet away, and he said to his wife, you know, We could swim in there. And then he makes this spiritual connection by saying, the ocean is like God, and the lagoon is a poor replacement like an idol. The God lagoon may seem real and it may be working, but it's just a fake and trivial replacement of the true God. It's comfortable in the God lagoon because idols are safe and controllable, while while God in the ocean seems dangerous and unpredictable. But if you have been in the God Lagoon for a while, it's not only boring, but you can feel trapped and in bondage. And some of you know what I'm talking about. When an idol or a sin grabs a hold of you, at first it can seem exciting. But you were trapped in this God lagoon when you were created to swim in the ocean of God's freedom, obeying only Him, submitting only to Him, and being free to roam for His glory. But if you come here this morning feeling trapped, and in bondage to some certain idol that maybe no one knows about, the good news for you is that you can be free. You can be free. And it's this freedom that we're gonna see this morning as we turn back to the book of Galatians. Let's look back in the book of Galatians, and today we find ourselves finally in chapter five, And Paul is encouraging the Galatians to live in this freedom of the ocean of the Gospel of Jesus Christ and not to turn back to the bondage of the lagoon. So far, we've watched Paul battle and argue strongly for the galatians not to give in to these false teachers who are advocating a return to the law who are advocating circumcision the observance of special days in order to be saved and paul is very clear in saying that jesus plus anything equals nothing paul has been advocating for the good news that a person can be made right with god Through grace alone, by faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone. That Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We've been doing this for about 10 weeks now. These Galatians have been set free from the bondage into Jesus Christ. And now they are to live in this freedom. And for those of you who've been going to church, who've been with us for 10 weeks, you know that intellectually. You know you've been set free from sin to live in the freedom of Jesus. So let's press it home this morning and kind of summarize where we're going like this Don't lose your freedom, don't abuse your freedom. Don't lose your freedom. And don't abuse your freedom. You guys ready to do this? Let's go. Chapter 5, verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. You have to notice that it was for the purpose of freedom that Christ set you free. Now, there are all types of Christian songs. Have you ever listened to Christian radio or you attend a church that talk about freedom? But do you ever wonder, free from what? All right, let's do this. Free from hell. Free from condemnation. Free from the control of Satan. Free from the power of sin. And in this context, free from the law. Look at it again in verse 1. The Galatians do not have to be subject again to a yoke of slavery, of pursuing the law like circumcision and Old Testament rituals as a means of earning favor with God. They are now free from their own performance due to the performance of another, Jesus Christ. They are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone, and they must stand firm and not give give up this freedom stand firm stand free I want you to imagine for a second that you are locked up that you're in jail now when you're in jail people tell you what to do the guards tell you when to sleep tell you when to eat often tell you when they go to the bathroom go take a shower tell you when it's time to go to bed and they tell you when it's time for maybe lockdown right So imagine you were once in jail and the guards are telling you all these things and then you get out of jail. You're free. And you're walking around in freedom and you bump into one of these old guards and they start telling you what to do. Your mind knows that you are free. This guard has no authority over you. But your heart still feels in bondage. As one has put it like this, you know, but you don't know. You know, but you don't know. You know that you are free in Jesus Christ. You know that intellectually, but there's something in your heart that feels connected to the bondage of sin, whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, whether it's the approval of men, whether it's trying to get fame and achievement. There's something in here that says, I know, but I don't know. You no longer have to give yourself as a slave to sin you are free you are free continue on verse 2 behold i paul say to you that if you receive circumcision christ will be of no benefit to you and i testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Now, I know some of you are new today, so I need to kind of bring you up to speed what's going on. You see, these false teachers infiltrated the church, and they said, hey, not only do you need to believe in Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. Now, I don't know about you, but someone's gonna have to present a pretty strong argument to get a grown man to get circumcised. What are these false teachers pitching? Well basically they're saying if you get circumcised you will have eternal life and all the blessings that go along with it. And the Galatians are pondering, okay, maybe we should do this. And Paul says, if you do that, then this will be the case for you. Did you see it again in verse two? He says, Christ, will be of no benefit to you. In verse three he says, well, you now have to keep the whole law and in verse four he says, and you have fallen from grace. If they cut themselves, then they will be cut off from Christ. If they move on ahead with circumcision, then they are putting themselves under law and performance and have removed themselves from grace and Christ. And if that's the direction they go, they were never saved in the first place. For those who seek to be justified before God by law or what we would call good works, they don't know the Lord. You see, eternal life is at stake. I know so many times we just think, okay, it's okay, because we have a lot of friends who believe in Jesus, but they mix it with, they think they gotta be a good person to go to heaven, and I guess that's okay, right? Paul says, no, it's not okay. It's not okay. And you may be here this morning and think, no, no, I've got, I've got to do some good stuff so God will accept me. You ever walk into those stores that has a big sign on it that says, right when you walk in, it says, you break it, you buy it. Now when I walk into those stores with my kids, we turn around right around, we leave. Because <laughs> we're about to break something. Some of you, that's the relationship you have with God. You have broken your life. You have obliterated your life. You know you've messed up, and you come to God, and you say, all right, God, what do I owe you? What can I do to pay you back? And if that is you here this morning, you totally are missing grace, if you think, yeah, I'll go to church, God, and you'll be cool with that. I'll pray, I'll, I'll read my Bible, I'll do good works, and then in that way I'll pay you back because I've, I've destroyed my life. I owe you, God. How can I pay you back? Well, the bad news for you is what we call the good news. You cannot pay God back no matter what. That may be bad news for you, but we call that Good news. In fact, I would say this, and you, you may you may not like this, but I'm gonna tell you anyway, there is nothing you can do to pay God back for the damage you have done. You may be in here and think that you are bad, and I want to assure you that you are far worse off than you ever imagined. You may think it's bad, it's worse than that. And you may think, well, that's bad news. No, that's good news because the good news in Jesus Christ is even though you're far worse off than you ever imagined, the good news is that in Christ you can be far more loved than you had ever, ever, ever hoped for. That's good news. That is good news. That's what we call grace. And Paul's like, you reject grace, God's gonna reject you. Keep going. Start in verse five. For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Now Paul uses a couple of images here. One has to do with running, And one has to do with cooking. And he says, the Galatians, you guys were off to a good start. You're running after Christ. Who tripped you up? Who tripped you up from obeying the truth? It certainly didn't come from God. It's not like God says, okay, I want you to trust in Jesus to be saved. And then after you get in, God switches the rules and says, oh, no, no, no. No, you have to be a good person to be saved. No, no. God didn't switch the rules and trip them up. It's the false teachers. And now he moves on to the cooking. In verse 9, he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. So all it takes is a wrong person or even a wrong idea to spread to the whole church. And the idea is even a little small sin, if not dealt with, can grow and it can corrupt your whole life. In movies and TV, And comedians, they like to make fun of the stereotypical old cranky man or the old bitter woman. The depiction is that when you're old, you'll be cranky and bitter. But chances are that the old cranky man was probably a young cranky man. And the old bitter woman was probably a young bitter woman. You see, when you're younger, you have skills to cover up these sins. But when you get older, you just don't care. Even a little small sin, if not dealt with, can grow and grow and grow and corrupt your whole life. But Paul, he's feeling pretty good about these Galatians. He's been slapping them around this whole book, but he's confident that they're not going to go in this direction. Look what he says in verse 10. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. (laughs) After this whole letter of warning, he's confident that the Galatians, even though they're wavering, they're going to resist this false teaching and stay in line with the gospel. Now, two things Paul's about to say, he's going to sound defensive, and then he's going to sound offensive. Now, I want to make sure that we are all reading the Bible, because he's going to say something, and you're going to wonder, is that what he's talking about? And the answer is yes. So let's look at this. He's going to get defensive and then offensive. Look at verse 11. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. Paul used to preach circumcision before he was saved, but now the cross of Christ is what he preaches and that trips people up. You ever wonder, why does the cross of Christ trip people up? Because we are saying that a a man, the great God man, who was crucified on the cross, buried and rose again, we're saying through faith in him alone is eternal salvation. We're saying there's salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ, not even good works, and that trips people up. It trips them up. And he says, it trips him up so much, that's why I'm being persecuted. And that's why Paul gets so mad when these false teachers are coming to the church, preaching this law and good works for salvation, that he gets so mad at these false teachers. I'm not joking. Look what he says next. He gets very offensive. Look at verse 12. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves you're like was that in the Bible is he talking about what I think he's talking about yes he is he is saying that these false teachers should keep going beyond circumcision and cut the whole organ off he is sick and tired of them deceiving the Saints and wants their folly fully exposed don't lose your freedom Don't go back to the God lagoon, whatever your idol is, whatever your sin preference is that gives you comfort and peace. Don't go back. It's just bondage. Do not lose your freedom. But he also says, don't abuse your freedom either. Don't abuse your freedom. Look at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren, brethren, Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. You don't have to keep the Old Testament. You don't have to jump through the hoops to find salvation with God. It's about grace. But then some of you will say, whoa, 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 whoa. What about obedience? If we're saved by grace, then, then where does obedience to the commands of God come into play? Because you would think, well, if we're free and we have all this grace, then we can do whatever I want. But notice what he says in verse 13. He says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. If you really understand that you are free and you can swim in the ocean now, you would understand that you are free to obey. You're free to obey, not to gain God's favor. You're free to obey because you already have it. Do you understand? Do you feel that grace? Do you feel that? I am calling you from the word of God to obedience. Not to gain God's eternal favor but because you already have it in Jesus. Do you get that? Do you see how it's not this this switch? It's like you were saved by grace alone and now because you're saved and God loves you, he favors you, now you can obey him. Let me tell you a parable of sorts. Maybe this will help. There's this story or this parable that I read from the Civil War before American slaves were set free. A northerner went to a slave auction and he purchased a young slave girl. And as they walked away from the auction, the man turned to the girl and told her, you're free. With amazement, she, she said, you mean I'm free to do whatever I want? Yes, he said. And to say whatever I want to say, yes, anything. And to be whatever I want to be, yep. And even go wherever I want to go, yes. You're free to go wherever you'd like. She looked at him intently and said, Then I will go with you. Love compels loyalty. The love that we have in Jesus Christ compels heartfelt loyalty. Sometimes we try to get people in church to be loyal by scaring them to death, by guilting them into obedience. But what the gospel is saying is that you have acceptance through faith in Jesus Christ and that should from your heart compel loyalty so we don't leave out obedience we hype it up because love compels loyalty what are we talking about here what are we talking about well look again at verse 13. you were called to freedom brethren only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. That, i don't make sure, I'll make sure you get this. It's saying, you have been freed from slavery in order to be a slave. Are you, are you reading what I'm reading? Now that you've been freed from slavery to sin, now you serve others. <laughs> it's interesting. Martin Luther put it like this. He said, uh, a Christian... Is free and independent in every respect, a bond servant to none. A Christian is dutiful servant in every respect, owing duty to everyone. So, this life of, of bondage, freedom, and you know, we're in this lagoon, we've been set free, now we're in the ocean, and now we have moved from a life of slavery to a life of service to others. You get that? That's beautiful. And here, is this freedom to love verse 14 for the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you divide if you bite and devour one another take care that you're not consumed by one another it's not about utilizing our freedom to hurt one another but to love one another and how is it even possible for us to to love one another and the last thing I want you to look at don't don't shut the Bibles yet Look at verse six again. Look at verse six. This is good. You can underline it if you want. Verse six says that all that counts is faith working through love. It's like faith supercharges love. Faith can supercharge and empower love. How's it? How? How? Because through faith in Jesus Christ, we know that we have the love of the Father. And if we know we have the love of the Father, that can compel us to love others. It it supercharges love. So if you're like me, maybe you're often like me, and you feel unloving to others. I often wake up and feel unloving to others. Anybody else? (laughs) (laughs) What should you do? Well, if you feel unloving, what should you do? Well, you can try harder. Let me know how that's going for you. (laughs) Or you can do what the world tells you to do. You just need to love yourself more. Please don't do that. Okay? But what you need to do is go back to God's love for you in the gospel. Pastor Joe Thorne says it like this. It says, if you're struggling with someone for whatever reason, ask yourself, what would love look like in this relationship? And then deeply consider Jesus. If you're struggling with someone for whatever reason, ask yourself, what would love look like in this relationship? And then deeply consider Jesus. And why do you consider Jesus? Because you're reflecting on his love for you. And believe it or not, no matter how difficult the person is you're dealing with, I guarantee you, you've been more difficult, yeah? And yet, Jesus, knowing everything about you, died for you, to forgive you. And now that love can compel your love. My brothers and sisters, do not lose your freedom and do not abuse your freedom. Don't go back to the lagoon. When you can swim in the ocean, why would you want to live in the bondage? Why would you want to return to your sin When you have this freedom, freedom to be forgiven and freedom to serve and love others. And rather than giving you something to do this week, I want you to be free to live in this freedom. So I'm going to kind of give you a push. And I'm going to close by telling you this story that really has impacted me. And I don't know if it's going to impact you very much, but I really hope it does. It's about this guy named Scotty Smith. And he tells this story of his father. His father's older, and he says that he has never seen his dad so free. He's experiencing his dad as being free and uninhibited as his dementia takes over. As his dementia takes over, he sees that his dad's brain chemistry is changing, and now his dad doesn't seem to be as mentally preoccupied. He's not as rigid. Or having to be in control of all the details. And his dad, which has never before, has developed this sense of humor where he's just popping off one liner after one liner. And his dad, never in his life, he's never seen this, but his dad just, he'll just throughout the day just bust out in song. He's singing, he's making jokes, he's relaxed, and it, the son's like, I really enjoy my dad right now, but I wish it would have been part of his life before he turned 90. So it would have been awesome to see the childlike spontaneity in his dad when he was a father to him, a husband to his mom and a friend. But his dad was always so burdened, and, and he was always serious, and. Seldom able to relax very much. And he was he was always making these plans to kick back and relax, but he he was never able to get there. And then the son starts reflecting on his life and he says, You know, I'm a lot like my dad. I'm rigid. I gotta always prepare for everything and I gotta be in control. I gotta have these multiple inhibitions. And He asked himself the question, what would it look like for the Spirit of God to set me free right now? What would it look like for the Spirit of God to set me free as a husband? What would it look like for the Spirit of God to set me free as a dad? What would it look like for the Spirit of God to set me free as a new granddad? And he started thinking, if I reflect more and more on the grace of Jesus aimed at me, it seems as if I should break into song more if I reflect on Jesus' love for me, then I should love deeper. If I reflect on Jesus' love for me, then I should relax and be present in conversations and not have to be in control as much stuff and simply set people at ease when they're around me. And that's what the gospel of grace does. And so i leave you with this one question to ponder in prayer. What would it look like for the Spirit of God to set you free right now? What would it look like for the Spirit of God to set you free right now? It will often look different for different people, you have different struggles, different issues, but we've been set free in Christ. Don't go back to bondage, don't go back to the lagoon. Ask yourself the question, what would it look like for the Spirit of God to set me free right now?
0: We hope you enjoyed this message.